0: I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor in 2019 to the podcast, pageantswag.com. You see, I've been around the pageant world for some time now. And I have had numerous title holders and guests tell me that there were zero sites for casual fashion dedicated to you, the pageant lovers. So Pageant Swag decided to solve this problem. They've created this great e-commerce store full of everything from fun graphic t-shirts and crop tops to sweatshirts and hoodies. And they've even got a really cool lineup of both yoga and capri leggings. And it's all focused on you, the pageant lover. Check it out today and use the promo code Life After the Crown for 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's pageantswag.com. One more time, pageantswag.com.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Miss America 2017, Savvy Shields Wolf, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo.
0: Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome, and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. And the new Miss America is Miss Arkansas. (laughs) Savvy Shields. That is host Chris Harrison naming Savvy Shields Miss America 2017 in Atlantic City. During her year as Miss America, she traveled the country serving as the National Goodwill Ambassador for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals and promoting her platform, Eat Better, Live Better, which aims to educate people on the connection between what they're eating and how they're feeling. She also visited many military bases all over the country, as well as traveling overseas to Jordan, Kuwait, and Germany with the USO to support our troops during Thanksgiving. She has appeared on many national television shows, including Live with Kelly, Good Morning America, and Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve, and has been a presenter at many award shows, including the Billboard Music Awards and the American Music Awards. She is an accomplished writer and has had her work published in Cosmopolitan Magazine and currently runs a successful lifestyle blog you should check out at SavvyJanine.com. She is also finishing her degree as an art major this year at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville with an emphasis in drawing and painting. She also got married last year to her now husband, Nate, and they reside in Kansas City. I think she has one of the coolest names in pageantry. So glad to welcome Savvy Shields to the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me on. I literally cannot wait to get this started.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So I, I got to ask, where 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 did the name Savvy come from? Did you ever ask your mom about oh, how she named you?
1: You are going to be so disappointed that my name <laughs> is actually Savannah. Oh. And it's not... I know, I know. I always hate when people find that out because it makes me sound so... Much less cooler. But that's okay. I'll live with it. Uh, But my real name is Savannah Janine. It's basically as southern as you can get. And I, I think I became savvy when I was around two years old. I think one of my parents' friends uh, called me Savvy, and it just stuck. But honestly, that feels like so much more of my name than Savannah does. When people call me Savannah, I don't feel like they're talking to me. I only feel like they are going to call me Savvy.
0: Well, I, you know, coming from the television world, I think any time you have a name that has alliteration, it just somehow speaks to people. You know, Tim Tialdo, right? is my, that's my real name. It just was like one of those names made for TV and then Savvy Shields. It's like, oh, she's a a national title holder. Let's do it. I love
1: it. Thank you. I I did a fun time with it. And now it's really fun to like add on the Savvy Wolf part, which kind of sounds like a fun alliteration. So I kind of (laughs) just. It, it depends on how i'm feeling if i want to be a savvy shield or a savvy wolf
0: on the day <laughs> i love it well very good it's good to it's good to have options well yeah. look you are a couple of years removed from the crown now and uh, i know uh, life yeah. is you know constantly changing for you and we're going to certainly get into all that um uh, so yeah. let's start with this i i would say that you were you, we'll, we'll, we'll call the last remaining miss america before the uh, organizations uh let's just call it fall Perfect. from grace yep. right and i I think to all the miss america lovers out there you like many past miss americas represent the ideal uh, of what miss america is Mm. and should be um when you were growing up in arkansas tell me how pageants originally came into your life
1: i mean so uh, my very first even encounter i think was i was watching i was watching the pageant miss america when erica dunlap when she won and she like lost her earring on stage and i was like (laughs) as like you know a 10 year old i was like No, her earring fell and I was like mom we have to help her out and I'm like watching the tv but I just was just awestruck at these women who I felt like were complete superheroes they had this confidence that shone through the television screen that I was envious of and I was like I want that like I I want to feel that way and uh, I competed in my first, well, actually, I, I competed in a princess pageant when I was 12 years old, and so I was a little too old to be in the princess system. <laughs> but I competed in, in one princess, and the next year, I competed in my very first teen pageant. I was Miss Heart of the Ozarks, Outstanding Teen, and I did not know there was a state pageant. I did not know what activewear was, so much so to the point that I literally thought it was like active wear like where would you wear for activities and so I brought a <laughs> tennis racket on the stage and like just like tennis swinging poses like I've never played tennis in my life like I had no idea what I was doing it's so sad my dress was like three inches too short like all the all the things and uh, it's just kind of I mean I uh, literally by divine intervention won that local title and uh, four months later went to miss Arkansas's outstanding team with zero goals in mind other than to, uh, I mean, just challenge myself and meet these girls. I mean, these were girls that I had idolized growing up and being the youngest girl there was never on my radar that I would become Ms. Arkansas to take anything at that time. And so I don't know, it it was a very strange and very crazy journey. I mean, we uh, did not expect it to happen so much so that my mom had her, you know, film reporter when I was, you know, 13 years old and she's filming, you know, the top 10. And she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she got in top 10. And like 4th row run-up gets called and she's like, ah. she's like, 3rd row run-up gets called and she's like, maybe she would have gotten second runner up. I don't get second runner up. My mom shuts off the camera and like puts it in her purse because she like did not think I was going to win at all. (laughs) And so we like have like footage of like all these other girls getting awards, but she like puts it away because I mean, of course, like I'm a 13 year old girl who's never competed. Like that's unheard of. And so it was, uh, it was a very, I mean, kind of rip off the Band-Aid introduction into the pageant world, but I'm so unbelievably thankful. I mean, it gave me such a long period of time before I competed in Miss Arkansas, which I'm, I'm so grateful for. I mean, it was hard not to go right into competing when I was 18 years old, but I was able to see the job of my Miss Arkansas and realize how much of a job it actually was. And I knew that if I did it, I want to do it right. And so I waited until I was mentally, emotionally, and spiritually mature enough to compete. And so that's why I waited until I was, you know, 21 years old to compete for Miss Arkansas. And then uh, a month later, Miss America happened. (laughs) And it was insane and wild and crazy. And the rest is history. But yeah, it's kind of a weird journey whenever
0: I say it out loud. Well, and, I, you know, I've talked to so many people who have had kind of the same journey that you have, at least early yeah. on in their teenage years, where they're, you know, it's not about, oh, I want to go win Miss America. It's just at that point, right. it's like, I, I just want to get up on a stage and be pretty. I just, I love looking like Absolutely. that. And that's great. Absolutely. I, at, at what point of your life does the transition happen where, you, you know, you kind of get this inner, like, Okay, I'm ready to compete. Let's let's go after the real goals of like Miss America. At what point did that happen for you?
1: You know, I I knew that that was a dream of mine all growing up, but I lived. I mean, and I feel like we're all we all do this, but I lived a life that I talked so negatively to myself that I never believed that I could really do it. So I could never really like pull the trigger to start competing because I kept thinking that I would fail which is a terrible way to live. Like, I never want to live a life where I'm not doing something out of fear of failure, but that's what I was doing for such a long time. I mean, when I was 18, I didn't compete, so I was scared. 19, didn't compete, so I was scared. And when I was 20, I was terrified. And I really, really attribute it to Nate, you know, my then boyfriend, now husband, when uh, I told him, you know, about the pageant world. And, you know, it's kind of a weird thing telling you know, someone that you like, you know, <laughs> competing pageants. And they're like, this is like your, your end all be all goal. But he was the person that saw the potential in me that I didn't know was there. And he was the person that told me like, Hey, like, I think you can do this. And I think that this is what you're meant to do. Like freaking do it. Like, and he was the person that really like pushed me to that edge of like, all right, like I'm going to give this my all. And I think it was, I'm not really even sure, but it was after I started like really training did I feel like I could do it. I mean, there's even this time where very first time I ever put on a swimsuit and high heels, I uh, like went to my dance studio to like practice my swimsuit walk. And I literally dropped on the ground in fetal position, started balling because I didn't like what I saw. And I was mortified because not only could I not look at my body, but there's no freaking way I could stand on a stage in front of like hundreds of people looking at it. And I almost even didn't compete because of that reason. But I started working really hard, practicing my talent daily, taking myself first, putting effort in what I put into my body, uh, training really hard. Um, Every decision I made was towards this goal. And I became in love with the way that my body worked, not the way that it looked. I mean, Swim Tzu ended up being my favorite phase of competition, hands down, not not even close to the other phases, just because I was so proud of the work that I had done. And so I think probably that feeling of like, all right, I could do this was when I started really pushing myself because I think that, you know, everything's a mental game. Everything's a mental game. And it's once we get over that first hump of like, do I even want to try That we realize that we're so much more capable than what our minds convince us that our our limitations are. Our limitations are just guidelines that our fear puts in place.
0: Did you ever, like, literally? I've talked to a lot of national title holders. They really didn't think it was going to happen. You know, they had a what what they call, you know, a a long shot dream. (laughs) But I mean, did you really (laughs) think, like, I'm going to wear this crown when I come home? I'm 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 going to win.
1: So this is the way that I. uh, this is the way that I prepped. And I, I wanted to go into it with this mindset because, well, this is just kind of how my brain works. And so I, I went into it with a mindset that I am going to work so hard. Every decision I make is going to go towards this goal. I'm going to push myself to the most extreme point. I'm going to work harder than I've ever worked before. I'm going like, to impress myself with how much I'm putting into this. So much so that if I don't win, that I know that it's because of nothing I did. But I walk away knowing like, hey, that's okay. I would have been a great Miss America, but it's not because of anything I did. And so I went into it with the mindset of thinking, I know I can do this, but if it doesn't, it's not my fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to kind of, I wanted to shift that mindset of I'm not working towards this goal, but I'm working towards an outcome. Because regardless of what... I mean, we know those patents are nobody's control. Nobody is in control of the outcome. So (laughs) I wanted to work so hard to where I was like, I know that I could have been Miss America, but if it doesn't happen, it's not because of anything I did wrong or should have done more of. But I think that it was, if that makes sense, that was kind of my take going.
0: No, and it makes total sense. And and really, you were the last one to go through, you know, uh, being Miss America uh, before the change.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. And I
0: was just talking to Betty Maxwell about it. I mean, it sounds like it's a lot. Can you kind (laughs) of talk about your year as Miss America? Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, side tangent, It, it is a crazy thing to uh, you you think you know what the job is, but you absolutely have no idea what the job is. And one of the biggest blessings that this year has happened has been my friendship with Betty because uh, being able to just talk about it and not sound like a crazy person is a really good feeling because a lot of the times when I talk about it I'm like holy crap did I really like not see any family members for an entire year did I seriously live out of a suitcase and was in a different state every 48 hours like I uh, you know had hotel room service every single night like it was I mean well, when I look back on it I'm like how did I do that but in reality you you switch on to this survival mode I mean it was hands down the greatest year of my life, but with that exact same sentence, it was absolutely the hardest year of my life. I mean, so much so to where I feel like I can only talk about it without having any emotional triggers like now. I mean, even last year when I would talk about my year, you know, it would send me into these panic attacks or anxiety attacks. And there was a lot of stuff that happened my year that you don't have time to deal with because you are all day, every day, 24, eight, you're Miss America. And it doesn't matter if you are not emotionally ready, if you are sick, if you are on your like fifth steroid shot of the month, like it does not matter. You are (laughs) still Miss America. And so it, uh, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, it changed my perception of the world. It changed my perception of who I am. Um, I remember someone telling me at the very beginning, of my year, they said, now you're going to become a lot more aggressive at the end of this. And uh, I remember I used to hate that word. And and I remember I used to say like, oh, I don't want to be that way. Like, I want to be sweet. You know, I want to be nice. And holy shilele, I uh, like feel so sorry for that girl who like day one, like had no idea what I meant to be strong. Or I mean, I look back at the girl that I was. Whenever I was crowned, and it's so much different than the woman I was whenever I gave it up. And it did make me a whole lot more aggressive, but I'm pretty proud of it. You know, I'm a whole lot stronger. I am a whole lot more discerning. I stand up for myself now. I can handle a lot more than what I think I can. And it was, again, the best year of my life. I mean, it totally changed the trajectory of the rest of my life. Uh, But it was also something that stretched me more than I realized during the year, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I I know one of the biggest questions that you get, um, you you even wrote a fantastic blog on it on your website. uh, thank you. you What's the hardest part of being Miss America? Now, obviously. Yeah. I, could just re- I could just read the blog out loud here on the podcast, but I, I think I would, I, would, I would much rather have you just kind of sum up the cliff notes for us because, you know, I don't want to read the whole blog. But I thought it was, you well, know, you really tackled you. some great parts in there uh, just about what Seriously, it was like to. Thank you
1: so much.
0: And, and the raw, real means, parts uh, of it. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, full transparency. I was terrified to even write that blog. You know, I think something For that retribution? Was,
0: um, were For retribution, were you scared of the organization or oh, were you yeah. scared of?
1: I, I was scared of the organization. I was scared. I mean, I was... I mean, during my year, you know, I I was pretty scared all the time. And, uh, and yes, of the organization, but also just I had... And I wanted to from the beginning, and I'm glad that I did this, but I didn't want to complain, you know, because I was given this gift that was amazing. And how many other thousands of girls want that same gift. And so I didn't want to complain during my year because I was like, yes, like so many parts of this are so hard. And I feel like, you know, my heart's ripping and aching, but at the exact same time, look at all the blessings that I have. So I was scared just because I didn't want people to think that I was ungrateful. You know, I didn't want people to say like, how can she say that this is so hard like look at all the amazing things she's been able to do but I would say you know in that particular blog post I'm it, it may have been one of the proudest moments of my life whenever I was able to finally let that you know I, I did it the week that I was giving it up so I was like you know what like if anything comes back from this like this is the end of my year like I don't want to do it without you know sharing a little bit of transparency and so I uh I was really excited about it, but Cliff notes on the hardest part about being Miss America is that, I mean, I'm going to go back to this, but everything's kind of a mental game. Everything is kind of a mental game. And I think the hardest part was acting like I was this super happy, super like upbeat human at all the time. And so I think the hardest part of being Miss America is that yes, it's a 24-8 job, And you kind of click into the survival mode, but it's holding up this ideal that you have to be perfect 24 seven. And I think that that's something that really got to me and uh, a, a particular story that I always, you know, Talk about in speeches whenever I talk about the hardest part of Miss America is, you know, we all know about the like these boy boards, right? Where yeah. we all say, we know mm-hmm. we don't read them, but we all do. We want to see what anonymous people are talking about us all the time. And, um, I remember, I think it was like in December or January maybe, but so it, it was around this time and, uh, it was around the time that I was, you know, reading these boy blogs and uh, the, the topic was, you know, it had my name and I had these two pictures of me side by side. One was right from when I was crowned and the one right next to it was about, you know, from an appearance that week. So three months after and all the comments underneath it were discussing how much weight that I had gained. They're trying to decide, you know, uh, what size dress I was from the beginning. What size I just was then. They're talking wow. about, you know, how I was the most curvy Miss America we've had. You know, X Y Z, and uh, it's it's embarrassing to admit this, but I let that define me for way too long. I mean, I let those words dictate what I thought people were going to remember me as, and uh, for a long time, you know, I would put on that crown and I would say no one's going to believe that you deserve this. Like no one's going to actually think that you uh, are Miss America. Like you don't look like a Miss America. Like everyone thinks that they should have crumbed the other girl or, or so many things that I would say to myself every single day. And that happened for probably like two months. I mean, it was, and again, this job doesn't stop during Christmas time. So I was still going every single day, you know, going, 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 and I just, it was, uh, it was really hard. And kind of like a wave you know it kind of got slapped in the face and I was like hold up like is this the legacy that you want to leave a girl that was constantly terrified of what people thought about her a girl that was convinced that her legacy was based on what size dress she wore and so I started thinking of like okay well who are the girls and who are the women that I look up to and uh Whenever I was thinking of why I looked up to them, was, you know, the way that they made people feel, it was because of their bravery, it was because of their passion, it was because of their authenticity. And none of the reasons why I looked up to these women was their dress size. And so I had to totally change my brain and think of, okay, well, the legacy that I want to leave is being a Miss America that makes everyone else feel like they're Miss America. And so I had to really quickly, and it wasn't just a day in, day out, like, all right, I'm better. Like, now I have my good goal. We're good to go. Like, it was a day, every day trying to remind myself, like, all right, now what's the goal? Like, I'm here to make every single other person feel like they're Miss America. And so once I shifted that, it, it got better. Now, yes, it was still a really hard year for a thousand other different reasons. But I think that's probably one of the key things that really tells, whenever I look back, and that's an overarching umbrella that encompasses a lot of feelings during that year of conquering all the fears and insecurities that had once leached onto my heart and believing that I'm a lot more stronger than I think that I am.
0: Well, look, th- this is really good because there are two things you mentioned that I you know, I want to point out, and both of them revolve around the word fear. Uh, mm. Obviously, fear, and I think this occurs for anybody that gets the crown, is fear that I'm going to live up to people's standards because you're yep. you know, you're never going to live up to everybody's standards. It's just not, it's not possible. Absolutely Nobody's perfect.
1: Absolutely not. And that's yep. not going to happen. Yeah. So,
0: you know, that's an obvious one. Um, the other one that you mentioned that I don't think anybody would think, you know, you would think they're your biggest cheerleaders is you mentioned kind of fear of the organization. Now, I don't want to get into yeah. the total 2.0 stuff. Betty Maxwell right. covered that plenty. She, she did a good job of covering that for us. <laughs> uh, but I do want to ask, like w- what – Was it the fear of them having you be held to an ideal that you didn't feel like you could? Or was it fear of other things?
1: Well, it was kind of a fear that you knew that you were kind of at their mercy for a year. And the year is already hard enough. And it's the fear of knowing that if I didn't do the best job that I could, that they could make the year worse for me. And so it was constantly of, you know, it's people pleasing on steroids where you're, you're hoping and praying that, you know, your bosses are happy with you. So they don't make your year terrible, if that makes sense. And I know that we've seen that, like in other Miss America's past, I've come out and talked about that more, which I'm thankful for. But it is interesting, you know, whenever I look back on that year, it feels like I'm talking about a different human. It, It feels like I'm talking about, I mean, if I became Miss America right now, I think it took me nine months. Uh, to become the girl that I am now. Uh, so, for the, like the last three months of my years, Miss America, I kind of was pretty fearless and I got in trouble a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> but I think that, you know, I'm still really thankful I wouldn't have changed, you know, because okay, if it wasn't for kind of like having to really realize, like, this isn't healthy and I don't need to people please people and I needed to just be true to who I am. And if something does happen, I'm strong enough to handle it uh, that idea and mindset was something that I had to learn in, in just life. And so it did suck, but I'm, I'm thankful for it. Now, if you ask me that question during my year, I would say, <laughs> no, get me out. Like, there's no way I could handle this. And, and I mean, I, that was, you know, another thing where I felt like I had this kind of mask where, you know, during my year and I, ha- I have to look back on this now and say, you know, I have to give myself grace, but there, there was some, because during your year, you know, you always get asked, like, isn't this the best year of your life? And at points, yes, but at a lot of points, no. And uh, during my year, I didn't want to say that. You know, I now feel comfortable and I know that that's not a bad thing for me to say anymore. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, well, it, it, there's this weird dichotomy that works on. But
0: And you and Olivia Jordan hold something in common. Um, you both were part of an organization in which went through change during the life yeah. of your reign. Did you see yeah. that change coming when you were the title holder? I mean, did, did you see what was about to happen?
1: I did. And uh, it was, uh, I mean, there were times where I thought that it was going to happen during my year. Now, again, you go into a survival mode where I think that at times I kind of just shut that part of my brain off. Really and truly. And I just (laughs) was like, I have to focus on staying alive because I want to be the best Miss America I can. This is only one year and I want to make the most of this. And so I'm very thankful for the way that I uh, even just handled that during my year. I mean, now, granted, that took me, you know, a few years of recovery because of that, but <laughs> that did mean that I uh, gave it all during my year. And so I'm, I'm really thankful that I'm able to look back and say, like, I gave that 100%.
0: Looking back, anything you'd do differently as Miss America?
1: No, I mean, uh, I, uh, I'm i very thankful. I mean, I know I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think that I wish I would have been a little bit more fearless towards the beginning, you know? But, and again, I would not have gotten to the fearless point that I was, you know, at the last three months of my reign, if it wasn't for the first nine, you know? And so I had to learn to be fearless. I could not have just done that from day one. And so, yeah, of course, it would have been fun to just like be kind of reckless the entire year. But (laughs) I, you know, and I wasn't even reckless. I put reckless in very intense quotation marks. This is reckless for me. So I, I mean, I'm a very, you know, I'm not like a, crazy, bold person. So reckless for me means, you know, not saying sorry four times, but just saying sorry once. You know what I mean? So it's, it's something along those lines that, of course, I wish I would have, you know, uh, maybe learned to be a little bit more empowered from day one, but I couldn't have got there.
0: Did you have to kind of play big sister and kind of hold Cara Munn's hand a little bit as she went through some uh, yeah, seriously I challenging mean, it stuff?
1: Was, uh, well, I, I think what's, you know, hard too is that we had no idea any of it was happening. You know, I think that we, we saw change happen and we thought that it was good change. You know, we thought it was really good. So, all of us are just, you know, and, and that's the curse of social media. You know, you have no idea what people are going through. Social media is 5% of our lives. And it, it's something that I, you know, we all struggle with is that we don't realize that everyone's fighting a battle. And so, but it's been really great to have that sisterhood. I know even just having her and the other Formist Americas to lean on afterwards. It's something that you uh, or I took for granted during my year was the ability to just call these girls that have gone through the exact same thing. And so it was it's been a really sweet friendship
0: for sure. I think one of the misconceptions about becoming a national title holder in any system, really Miss America, Miss USA, whatever, is that life is going to automatically be easier for you after you give up (laughs) the crown. (laughs) And I I think I've had around uh, 15 national title holders on the podcast, and I have never found for any one of them has it been easy? So talk <laughs> <No>! about, <laughs> talk Absolutely about life not. after. And you know, cause okay. I think, I think people oh, think, okay, I was habit. Miss America and it's like, I'm going to walk into offices and people are going to be like, Oh my God, here you are. You know, and that's not how no, it works no, no, at all. No, 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 Let's hear it. <laughs> Absolutely
1: not. So I am very thankful from day, the day that I was Prime Miss America, um, my best friend, Katie Hansen, who was my maid of honor, she like looked me in the eyes and she goes, okay. Let's start planning for the year after. And I'm like, Katie, I literally just won. What are you talking about? Like, This is like way too much prep. She like looked at me and she's like, no, like, this is the time. Like we're going to think about the rest of your life. Like, yes, this is only a year and yes, you're going to live it up, but you're also going to prepare for the rest of your life. And so I'm very thankful that I had that because I think something that, because I, I try to always tell girls that now, because that was so influential in the trajectory of it instead of hurting the rest of my life. And I think that is something I always find, I want to tell girls, you know, right after state title holders get crowned, I'm like, all right, what do you want to do next? Like, you got to think about it. Like, let's get on, girl. And so I think that that's a thing that we don't do often. You know, we, and as pageant girls, you know, we fight to this one goal and you don't think about it afterwards. It's this weird thing where, you know, you, uh, you know, in, in pageants, you know, we're kind of trained to be hyper-organized, hyper-vigilant, hyper-passionate, and we don't just, you know, go 50%, we go 100%. 50% to, to whatever we give, but it's difficult when you try to like shift that phrase to life after the crown. So I'm very thankful that Kate, you told me that. And something that I am very thankful that I did was I reached out to all the formers that I could. So uh, right after, even during my year, I asked Formers Miss America's like, Hey, what do you wish you would have done during your year? And of course they all say network. And of course they all say write thank you cards. And oh my gosh, do those pay off? I'm telling you, if you're a girl listening to this right now and you have not written a thank you card for the last thing you did, go write it right now. I'm telling you, no one does that and they should. Um, I uh, I would ask those girls. And then afterwards, I am so thankful that I actually got to meet up with a, former, like, a few formers that I just looked up to for the rest of my life or from the whole of my life. So right after... I have the crown, uh, Nate and I took this pilgrimage where we like road trip for three weeks and we went to the mountains. We did all that. But when we got to LA, I was able to meet up with Olivia Jordan, um, Kristen Dalton, um, Laura Kepler, a few former Miss America's and Miss USA's that were out there and just kind of talk to them and say, Hey, like what's the hardest part about life after the crown? And, uh, big, big umbrella kind of shrunk down into one sentence. I think something that's amazing that patents do for us is that it trains our brains to dream so big and it trains our brains to want to dream to change the world. And that's a pretty heavy, you know, burden to bear when you are convinced that you are going to change the world and anything less than that isn't satisfactory or anything less than changing the world isn't good enough. And I think that's something that we have to focus on is the way that you do that is changing your part of the world one part at a time. And so I think that sometimes you come off this intense high of the year Miss America. And when you uh, go back to, uh, I don't even want to say regular life, because no, never regular, but you, you have to remind yourself that to change the world, you just have to change your part of it. And I think a lot of times I found in talking to formers and in talking to state title holders, you know, after their years, that's something that they all kind of struggle with because, Anything less than the absolute best isn't good enough, which just isn't true. And so I think that planting the seeds from the very beginning of what you're going to do after your year is key, but then also just after you're giving yourself grace, I think is huge because I think we, uh, you know, we're kind of all performers <laughs> and whenever your performance isn't good enough in your brain, you feel like you're failing,
0: which just isn't true,
1: if that makes sense.
0: Let me, let me give you a scenario that I've heard about, i uh, probably I'd say seven or eight times from other national title holders, some of which you had just mentioned that you went and saw. You arrive as Miss America in a limo. You leave in a cab.
1: <laughs> they basically
0: yep. ship you out the door and it's like the next day, nobody wants to take the picture with me. And then it's uh, kind of three or four months of mild yes. depression. Does that sound oh about God. right? Well... <laughs>
1: Yes and no. I was so freaking excited to just be savvy. I mean, it's so, I mean, like to the point where, uh, literally the day, the day that I got up the crown and crown Kara, there's this picture of me like smiling and beaming. <laughs> and uh, it's like, we were popping champagne afterwards. Like I had, I could not wait to take everything that I had learned and use it in my life as savvy shield. You know, I literally could not wait. I think for me, you know, the depression kicked in, I would say maybe like a year after. And it it, it was more because I was just so excited to finally use it as me. But that exact same feeling of like, wait, I'm in a cab now. Like people like aren't like (laughs) wanting to like, I don't even know just something ridiculous. But exactly. That's such a good analogy. But yes, absolutely. I agree with that statement. 100% (laughs) you do. Absolutely. And it's hysterical, but but it happens to all of us. No one is immune to that. Everyone is human. And so I think that's something, too, that you can all kind of bond over.
0: <laughs> well, I was reading an article you recently published on your website. It was called uh, uh, Bloom Where You're Planted. Uh, what yes. I loved about it is that it addressed something that I know many former pageant contestants, title holders, they all go through, and that is uh, moving to another state or city. You know, a lot of girls like to pick up yep. and move to New York or L.A. or they just want to go be where there's mm-hmm. modeling and acting or whatever. Yeah, um, but yeah, there was a paragraph definitely. in there that really summed it up. Um, I'm going to read it real quick. It just says, okay. I have never really moved in my entire life. I grew up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I lived there my whole life, with the exception of that one big year long move to every airport and hotel in the country. <laughs> we'll just call my Miss A gap year. Um, but my first and only big move was my recent move to Kansas City, Missouri, and it has taken me about eight months to really feel like I'm blooming where I'm planted. Yeah, I find that to be so true. I've, I've moved, uh, I think, nine times in my career. So I totally get what wow. you're saying. But I think for a lot of people yeah. who have never done it before, and it's like their first venture away from home. Talk about right what the challenges are of making the transition outside of the excitement of being in a new place.
1: You know, I think that's something we, uh, you know, as humans. Deal with, and, and maybe it's just because I feel like I am led by emotions most of the time. <laughs> but I feel like I often live my life in extremes, to where when I move to a new place, if it is not the absolute best thing I've ever experienced, if I am not having coffee with three people a day, and if I'm not like loving my new workout place, then that means that something is terribly wrong which is absolutely not true. And I also think in this life of instant gratification and in, you know, let's blame it on social media again, but in this social media age, when we see people uh, thriving all the time, and uh, whenever you move, you're not going to thrive for the first few months. It is a transition period. It is going to take you a lot of time to find a community A, that you love, not just a community, but a community that you love, a community that encourages you. It's going to take you a long time to find your new routine. It's going to take you a long time to find your new normal. And I think a lot of times we compare our backstage to everyone else's highlight reel. And there are a few seasons in life that really show you your behind the scenes. And I think transition periods are one of those. You know, transition periods rip us out of our comfortability and whatever struggles we're dealing with and whatever issues we have get brought to the surface in those moments of transition, which is a great thing because it forces you to grow. But growing hurts and molding into a better version of yourself is hard work. And I think transition periods force you to do that. They're kind of a catalyst for personal growth. And so I am so, so thankful that um, for my moves, you know, the Miss A move was a huge bandaid ripoff, but so was this moving to Kansas city. And it, it's finding, you know, motivation based on you just wanting to live the best life that you can, which I think is sometimes pretty hard because it's sometimes easy to just feel comfortable and uh, not want to push yourself. And I think, you know, you, you kind of fall in the two sides and it's important to stay on the motivation side, but it is a lot harder. <laughs>
0: Well, and, I, you know, I'm sure as, as a former Miss America, you know, you go there thinking, you know, maybe maybe a few people will know me. Maybe I can plug into, you know, the, the right. alumni pageant community or whatever. I mean, look, I, I worked yeah. in news for a few years and it's even even when you're on television, it's still challenging because you get there and it's yeah. like the first six months. It's like, who's the new guy? And then it's like, I think his name is Tim. Right. And then the second year, it's like, <laughs> hey, he's pretty good. And then the third year, it's finally like, hey, that's Tim Tialdo <laughs> and, or that Savvy right. Shields. And that's, you know, it's that <laughs> transition period that. If you don't have a crown behind your name Um, or don't have a television camera in front of you, it's like, what were the coping mechanisms that you used when you moved to Kansas City to kind of fall in?
1: Ooh, I love that question. Um, I did did a few things, you know, I think into it. These are probably the things that made me feel like I was, you know. The most adult that I can. And especially because, you know, when you're married too, that's another it's it's another weird transition. And so it's a transition of finding, you know, a married community. But so things that I did to kind of force myself was I plugged myself into a gym and I went to literally so many workout classes to try to find friends, like not even for the purpose of working (laughs) out, but like just to find friends. And so I'm so thankful for the yoga community that I have. We do uh, yoga classes literally every single day. It is such a good community. I have gotten plugged in with the arts community. And with those kind of people, I've gotten plugged in with this amazing Bible study of group of girls that I've just fallen in love with. And I think, you know, the biggest takeaway is it's just being intentional because if you think that opportunities are just going to fall into your lap, you're entirely wrong. I mean, Sometimes life does that, and it's fantastic when opportunities just kind of show up at your door, but that is a very small part of reality, and I think that's something, you know, whenever you are a title holder and things kind of are just handed to you, you know, you're told where to go every day, you're told what to wear, you don't really have to make many decisions, and so whenever you come out of that life, you have to be really intentional in your friendships, in what uh, you're, you're pouring your life into, into where your treasure is, into what your values are, and in, in making that transition, I think it's important just to be intentional and to push yourself.
0: Absolutely. Well, you have a website now, SavvyJanine.com um, On ah, it, you, you blog about cool. you know some of the things we've obviously talked about. You share some of your yeah. intimate personal details, but you also talk about art and service and health and style. Yeah. Um, I, I think as you finished up as Miss America and you started making that transition that you talked about with your your maid of honor, how did you go about deciding professionally? You know, what am I going to do as a career? How did you decide that?
1: Oh, that was hard, honestly. (laughs) That was probably the scariest decision because, you know, after your year, there's kind of uh, not an endless. But there are a lot of different routes you can go. And I think that's probably the scariest decision that you make. And again, going back to what we've been talking about so much, I think that I didn't make that decision for a long time out of fear. You know, I didn't want to go all in on one thing because I was scared to. And so uh, for, the, for the year following the Year's Miss America, I kind of wore a thousand different hats. I mean, I was an MC, I did public speaking, I went to girls groups all the time, I would do social media, but like only a little bit, I would write on my blog, like, maybe like twice a year, I would do like, i would kind of like put my feet in like all these different waters because I didn't know what hat I should wear. You know what I mean? And so I, I think that often, even with people growing up out of college, you know, so many people feel like they are tied down to just their degree. But I think that's something that is kind of beautiful about life is that you have the time to explore all the different things about you. And so that was actually a pretty scary decision for me to say, all right, like I'm going to go full throttle and I'm going to really try my blog. I'm going to go full throttle in that. I'm going to go full throttle into my art and see what happens there. And so I think I've, uh, I've, the way that I describe it now is that I've honed the many hats into three hats, (laughs) which are I am an artist, which is really exciting. I'm so thankful that I have taken that jump. It was probably the scariest jump just because it's not typical for a pageant girl to go into the artist realm. And so I felt almost like that wasn't a good enough decision. But I'm thankful that I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm thankful that I've claimed that as part of who I am. So one hat is the artist. I paint, I do commissions, I sell prints, all of that jazz that I love more than anything. I uh, do social media. Um, The word influencer always makes me feel a little squirmy, so I always say content creator. I go full throttle into my blog and my social media. which has been just the coolest thing. It's such an interesting world that we live in. And the third hat that I wear is I'm a public speaker. And so I love getting to go and share my story uh, often. And what I've been doing mostly is motivational speaking to young girls and young groups. And so... It's been really fun to kind of nail those three down and to kind of claim those three as my job now. But it's been a weird transition. And I think one of the things that, again, we've talked about this so much, but I feel like it's played such a huge role in my life is not being afraid to fail. And not being afraid also of what people are going to say, I think is huge. I mean, you I mean, even if you're just saying it, you know, a lot of girls go to, uh, you know, L.A. or New York for modeling and acting and, and all of that jazz. And so I think often I felt this weird sense of like, am I doing something wrong if I don't do that? Like, it, it, is is this the wrong path that I'm taking? And so it's, again, life is a whole bunch of just finding yourself. <laughs> and so it's been really cool to kind of nail those three uh, Hats down as my job title of three different jobs.
0: What's your your favorite topic to write about?
1: Personal growth. I think that's something that I feel. You know, I love writing stuff that's like helpful or tutorials or how tos. But my favorite thing to write about is you know human struggles because we all have them and. You know, I, have you ever heard of the Enneagram? The what? The Enneagram? I'm like dying laughing to myself because I talk about <laughs> it way too much. But so it's I don't, this I don't, personality I honestly haven't. Test. I'm out of the loop apparently. You have to, I'm going to send you the link. It's this personality test. It's kind of like Myers-Briggs, but it's like a number system. So I'm a four on the Enneagram, which a four is the individualist, which is dubbed or titled the Emotional, be hopeless, romantic, is not afraid to dive into emotions. And so I feel like whenever I can help people put words to their emotions, I, uh, it's a very satisfying feeling. And so I always like writing um, about feelings and about how we can, you know, not let them dictate us and how we can not let our fears hinder us from living, you know, the life that we want to live. Those are always something that I feel like, it is the most rewarding long-term if I get to write about something that's really
0: important. Do you find it challenging um, as a, you know, public figure, former public figure, whatever you want to call it to be vulnerable about your own personal experiences, your own insecurities and, in writing about that?
1: I think once I uh, can verbalize it, no, you know, I think that that's something that I've actually found a lot of strength in, you know, and the, like whenever we talk about my struggles during Miss America. Now, again, if you ask me to talk about them last year, I, I don't think that I could. But I also think it's because I hadn't fully worked through them yet. It's because I was still struggling. Now, I guess, you know, once we've once we've gone through the hard parts of life, it's easy to talk about them. But I find a lot of, I mean, healing and a lot of fulfillment when I get to, hopefully talk about something that I've been struggling with. and Another girl says, wait, you too? What is the best feeling in the world? And she says, hashtag
0: me too. And she's, yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> I didn't even realize I did that. I did not even realize. But I, I,
0: you know I what had I mean? I jump in on
1: that. It, it, it's, I'm glad that you did. I literally didn't even realize. But so when, 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 I, when, I'm able to, when I'm able to put words or when I'm able to say, like, hey, this really sucked in life. This is the struggle that I dealt with, and here's how – I've gotten through it. And when that helps someone else, I, I get really excited. You know, I think that I really appreciate vulnerability and authenticity. Um, I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves when people try to act like everything's okay, because I know that it's not, (laughs) and that's not to sound cynical, but it's just to, you know, I mean, that's life. None of us get out of life, you know, without a few scars and, I love when people are talking about it. It's like one of my favorite qualities in people, and so I just love—I love getting to talk about it, and I love getting to be vulnerable. I think it's one of my favorite things in the world
0: to do. <laughs> well, you're certainly doing a good job of it, and, and obviously, a lot of people follow you that, that think the same way. So oh,
1: keep, thank keep you. Yeah. Thanks. All right. So, yeah. I, got,
0: I got one last question for you before we get into our get to know you questions. All right. Uh, I'm in. You got you got married last year to your now husband Nate. Congrats on your marriage, by the way.
1: Thank you so Um, much. Thank you. Thank
0: you. I know a lot of girls want to know what it's like to transition from, you know, competing in pageants. It's all about you Mm -hmm. and all about your own pursuits to now sharing your life and sharing your goals and your time with somebody else. What's been the big difference for you in terms of how you approach daily life compared to how it was when you were competing in pageants?
1: I mean, golly, I freaking love marriage. I mean, 10 out of 10 recommend. I mean, when it is with the right person and it's with your best friend, like it is the best thing ever. And I think something that I'm, I mean, I uh, had a lot of really toxic relationships growing up and I know it's at the beginning, you know, Nate kind of believed in my dreams more than I did. (laughs) And so it's kind of crazy to look back on that and to think that he was so instrumental in all of that. And it's such a special time, but I think that, and then this is just a moment to say, you know, if your partner does not believe in your dreams as much or more than you do, then that's not the right person. And, you know, I think that just as Nate has believed in my dreams, like it brings me so much joy to cheer him on and believe in his. And I think that, you know, yes, long distance taught us that. Heck to the yes, my year as Miss America taught us that. But it, it's been a really special thing to uh, just share and be a team with someone. And I think lots of times, again, in the social media age, we think that, you know, marriage is this like, I don't, I don't even know how to this. This is how I'll wear this this is how I will say, I often heard so many people say, marriage is so hard. Marriage is so hard. Marriage is so hard. I'm like, well, hot dang, if marriage is so hard, why are people still getting married? Like, this is all I'm hearing. And uh, I think that, you know, we often think that marriage solves things. And uh, Nate and I always like to say, you know, marriage isn't hard. Life is hard. And uh, people are sinful. Like I am not perfect and neither is Nate. And, our marriage isn't hard, life is hard and we're going to work on it together with your best friend. And that's what marriage is. And so I think that, you know, oftentimes you kind of have this idea that any holes or cracks or, you know, bad things in our life, you know, we have this misconception that marriage is there to fix it. And it's definitely not. (laughs) Marriage is there so you can work on it with your best friend. And so I'm just very, very thankful. And I think, you know, oftentimes you know, you see this girl. I mean, if, if a guy can get through a pageant year, then he, he's pretty good. There's a special place in heaven for a pageant boyfriends. <laughs> That's for dang sure. I'm telling you. I mean, if, if he can go through you being in the this- spotlight for a very long time, then I think that he's a pretty
0: good guy. Well, how did you <laughs> guys good. see each other when you were Miss America? Cause you said you were constantly traveling.
1: I'm, t- it was the hard, I mean, it was pretty sad. When I look back, I'm like, and we talk about it now. I'm like, how did I go three months without seeing you? Like, it's crazy to think about, but it was, it was really difficult. But we always had this rule where, you know, like even if it was for just two seconds and just to say goodnight, we would FaceTime each other every day. And You know, I'm so thankful that we went through that year before marriage. You know, I'm so thankful that that year where it was really hard and I was not my best. I was, you know, like depending on him a lot. I I think that that year was so, so great for us to go through some pretty hard stuff beforehand, because I was very aware of, you know, how he handled conflict. And he was very aware of how I handled tough situations and how, you know, what I looked like on my best day, he was very aware of. And so I, I'm just so thankful for that. But it was hard. But in game, you know, I always feel like couples should do long distance, at least for like a month, because it makes you appreciate Uh, not for what they can do for you or how they make you feel, but literally just for the human being that they are.
0: Yeah, my wife and I did it for two years, so I I feel your pain on that one. It was brutal. Man, it it
1: is the worst. It is the worst, (laughs) but the best long-term. Because it it teaches you things that, you know, just living the same, you know, State, even let's go to state because <laughs> we didn't live in the same state for a while, but it teaches you do things that you know you don't normally learn unless you're doing long distance.
0: Well, I love that you were so vulnerable and sharing all this today. Thank you so much for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm loving all it. Right. It's awesome.
0: Time for the rapid fire get to know savvy shields questions. Are you ready? I'm in. Right. I'm
1: like stretching. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <You're> stre-
0: <laughs> do that quad stretch. Get it going. Here we go. I'm doing it. We're ready. Number one. What was the favorite part of being on the televised Miss America pageant?
1: Oh, uh, this one's the accomplishment. Hands down, I've never felt like I could conquer the entire world than when I was like strutting on stage, of being the most proud that I've ever been. And I literally just felt like I was Beyonce reincarnated in that 15 seconds. It was awful.
0: Wait, hold on. MAO, I don't know if you're listening, but rewind and listen to that again, please. <laughs>
1: exactly. Ugh. Right. to the heavens.
0: Number two, who was your pageant idol growing up?
1: Oh, Katie Sam. I literally thought she was... I mean, I still believe this. I think that she is an angel sent from heaven above. She literally first time i saw her i literally like was i couldn't speak she is just so gorgeous <laughs> so uh, angelic i i mean i still don't really believe she's real but katie sam
0: love that girl number three who was your first celebrity crush
1: uh orlando bloom and pirates of the caribbean love that man hands down (laughs) but only in Pirates of the Caribbean not so much in Lord of the Rings but definitely in Pirates of the Caribbean and he kind of looks like how Nate looks so I'm glad with that
0: what's the movie with Brad Pitt Uh, Troy what about in Troy
1: you know I don't even know if I've seen that but I bet that I would love it if he looks like he did when he was in Pirates of the Caribbean
0: tell (laughs) your husband tell your husband you guys are going to sit down and watch Troy tonight
1: I know. we be like, "Where did this come from?" We'll be like, "Doesn't matter. We're watching it.
0: it." Doesn't matter. Just start.
1: We have to. All
0: right, number four. If you could compete again, would you do anything differently leading up to Miss America?
1: I don't think so. No, I'm. I'm very, very blessed that I made decisions whether it was what I was gonna wear, what swimsuit I wore, what evening gown I wore. I mean, there's tons of people that told me I shouldn't wear, you know, such a plain evening gown. But I was like, no, like I have envisioned me wearing a black evening, black velvet evening gown since the dawn of time. Like that is not, I'm not changing that. And <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm very thankful. I like worked my butt off <laughs> and uh, I, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. All
0: right, number five. Now that you have achieved that pageant goal, what is your professional goal?
1: Oh, okay. 10 years. I would love to be running a business where it is kind of like, well, I want to be running four different businesses. How long well, do you have that, right that's now? That's all, huh? <laughs> so, just, just four, so huh? well, I want to be going hardcore in my art. I have some really exciting things that are going to be launched in like the next like few weeks that I can't really say right now, but there's this business that I'm so excited about that I just can't wait for creatives and for people that want to create art or poetry so i'm really excited about that i also want to be like even bigger public speaker than i am right now going to conferences encouraging women to be better versions of themselves and and not hiding behind that those are my two well both two let's not do the four businesses we'll just do the two right now since that's all the time we have
0: (laughs) you're like in an hour it might be six but whatever we'll start there
1: In an hour it may be six you know me
0: all right number (laughs) six is double dipping at a cocktail party ever acceptable yes when
1: ah when it's like hot chocolate or it's like <laughs> you know there's like a chocolate fountain and it's like fountain like fondue and you're like come on it's hot chocolate that's one if I
0: ever see Absolutely. you at a cocktail party I'm gonna be watching you closely
1: <sighs> only if it's near fondue I'll be very that's nervous right. number <laughs> seven
0: how many cups of coffee do you drink a day
1: two <laughs> I've gone down it used to be three but it is only two now and there's collagen in it there's like good protein in it, so it's like healthy coffee. I'm like taking care of myself. It's all good. We've got over look milk, at, Look at you thing. selling
0: yourself on the coffee you drink. I love it.
1: I'm telling you, bless it to the heavens. I know. No, uh, okay. no, Number
0: number eight. Name a word that starts with the letter Q. Oh. Uh,
1: quantum physics. What? I don't know. Why is <laughs> it the only word with Q I can think of? Some people oh say queer. Gosh. I mean,
0: I, I've heard a bunch, so very Quant-
1: good. Why is quantum physics the only word I can think of? Because you're oh a smart, you're gosh. a smart
0: girl, so you're just thinking, man, no. I got to go quantum.
1: I am literally after this phone call. I'm looking up words with Q because I'm mortified. I can't think of any other words <laughs> that starts with the letter
0: Q. It's it's more challenging oh. than they think it is.
1: Why is it? That is a hilarious question. I love that. That's so funny.
0: Number nine, (laughs) what's the most number of hours that you've watched TV in a single day?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have to tell the story first so it Uh makes sense. After Nate and I got married, we went on a two week long honeymoon to uh, Italy and Paris. Then we came back and we had to drive three hours home to get to Kansas City. We were dead, we had been moving all day long. It was right after our wedding, and so we were so tired, and for two days straight, we watched a Harry Potter movie marathon. So, Uh, again, it was not a kid's... Like, it wasn't constant for, like, 48 hours, but it was... No, I guess it was, well, let's put 36, because we weren't watching TV, like, the whole time. We, like, slept in the middle of the night. So, Harry Potter movie marathon, however long that is, that is why. But there's a reason. There's a reason. That's the most impressive
0: yeah. uh, number I've heard yet. I got to tell you.
1: I don't know if I don't know if impressive's the way to go. It may <laughs> just be a little <laughs> sad. But we were tired. It was the wedding. We had moved. We got back from the honeymoon. All of
0: those things. We'll, we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. All right. Last Thank one. You. Number ten. <laughs> what is the most interesting thing about Savvy Shields that we wouldn't learn from reading your bio alone?
1: Ooh, uh, the most interesting thing about me. Oh my gosh! Or even just
0: an interesting thing that you think people would find interesting.
1: I think people would find, or people find that people something that people don't know about me is that, like, well, yeah, I'm gonna go with this one, is that I am obsessed with, and I that like in my retirement, like I will be uh, like one of those Mrs. Clauses that like goes into malls because I just love the holiday like season so much. And uh, I basically start decorating in September. Like I started decorating like putting the Christmas tree up like way too early. Like it's almost something that's like super embarrassing. We've had to have a talk about it with Nate. He's like, we have to wait until Halloween. That was like probably our biggest fight in marriage was like me not putting the Christmas tree up in September but like waiting until like after Halloween. So that is probably something people don't know. And I don't know if they should, but that's okay. <laughs> it's
0: out there now. Well, look, you are hilarious. The, the, you're, well, you're off the hook, you. by the way. All 10 questions answered. Congratulations. Way to go. Um, thank I, you. Look, <laughs> I've, had, I've had a ton of people been, been requesting you for about a year now. So thank you for finally uh, connecting oh, awesome. with me. And this has been yeah. fun. And like I said, you know, before we had the podcast. Everywhere I turn, Savvy's with somebody that I know and, and vice versa, and it's like well, <laughs> our, our paths finally merge, so I'm glad to hear that.
1: I know. The Venn diagram of people we know is a very
0: large Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope we get to run to, run into each other either at maybe a speaking engagement or, or a pageant. I but, know, uh, me too. Yeah, thanks for sharing all this today. Certainly great stuff.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. Seriously, this is fantastic. One of my like most favorite podcasts yet.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Savvy Shields for her time. If you want to follow Savvy's journey, check out her website, SavvyJanine.com. Or you can follow her on Instagram at SavvyJanine or on Facebook at shields. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube. Or you can just go to LifeAfterTheCrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12. Do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. Talk to you next week, everybody.